Welcome to the Connect Community Podcast, recorded live in Stamford, Connecticut. We're so glad to have you with us today. If you're ever in our area, come see us in person. We hope today's message inspires you and helps you live better. We are started a new series uh, last week called, Is There More to Life? It's a point in question, a question that we will all come to ask ourselves at some point in our lives. And so we, we've, been, uh, we've been exploring the book of Ecclesiastes. It's a complex book. It's a book that, you know, it, it can get dense. But it's a book, uh, as we mentioned last week, where Solomon does not avoid the important questions. He doesn't avoid the deep questions. In fact, he tells us that he goes in an exploration. He, he goes into a, a journey to find out if there is more to life, to find out what this life is all about. And last week I shared a message with you that was kind of encouraging because it started with his findings that everything is meaningless. And he's, he, we, if you remember, we covered, you know, that, that he said that wisdom is meaningless and pleasure is meaningless and work is meaningless. And, but then we got to the point where he discovered and he shared that those things can be meaningful if they come from God, if we receive them from God, because God reorients our lives and, and our perspectives. And so today I want to continue our conversation and I want to ask you a question. Have you thought about your relationship with time? lately? Have you thought about the finite nature of life and your relationship with time? This is the type of question that can cause all kinds of reactions. You might be on the side that, yeah, I actually think a lot about time, how I spend my time, how I invest my time. Or you may be the kind of person that avoids the question because you don't want to think about how life is finite. And maybe you, you don't want to answer that question because you've been through pain. Maybe because you've lost people or things and, and it's, you just don't want to think about it. See, time can be frustrating. I am in my 40s now. I expected more of a surprise reaction, to be honest. You know, a little bit of a gasp. It would be encouraged. I'm going to try it again. I'm in my 40s now. <sighs> Thank you so much. I know, it's surprising, right? Yes, thank you, guys. <laughs> and, and because I'm in my 40s, uh, it means that I've been reflecting on my life for about two years now, many, maybe a little more. And the majority of, of the reflection that I've had is about how I've spent my time thus far. What I did, what I didn't do, the things that I wish I would have done, and, and also the things that I want to make sure I don't repeat in this second half of my life. Um, and so that's the reality we face. We have this relationship, this tension with time because we can't stop time. We can't make time. We can't move time forward. We can't turn back time because if I could turn back time, right? Why did I have to impose my voice to match, uh, what's her name? Chair, thank you. All of you guys just aged yourselves. You just revealed your age right now. If I could find a way. What if our sermons like just turned into musicals? They are. They are. <laughs> All right now. 
Ooh. <laughs> Didn't expect that one. I don't know if I should keep going, huh? <laughs> Do you know how many scientific fields of study we have related to time? It's so many. We have several. I'm just going to mention seven of them for you. We have chronology, which study the biological rhythms and, and the things that... Did you know that there, there, there's a biological clock inside of several, several or, uh, living organisms, from plants to animals, including us? You have a biological clock in, in, in internally that has no relation to the sun or the rotation of the earth. And do you know how, how, this, how long this cycle is? It's about 24 hours. Isn't that amazing that we have a 24-hour internal clock? And this is what chronology stu studies. Cosmology studies astronomy. A it's a branch of astronomy and, and studies the cosmic time space uh, scales. And then you have quantum physics that it stud studies the particle of energy in the smallest scales. You have relativity. A lot of us have heard of the theory of relativity by Albert Einstein and explore, explores the, the effect of gravity on the perception of time, the fabric of space and time. Then we have geochronology. It's the study that helps us tell if a rock is 10,000 years old or 50,000 years old. That's how they figure it out. That's the kind of study. We have paleontology. Uh, and a lot of you know because you used to watch Friends. That paleontology is the study of fossils, ancient life forms. And we have astrophysics, you know, the study of celestial bodies and nature of time in relation to the astronomical events, which is really big because it's astronomical, right? So that means it's big. On top of all that, we have thousands of years, thousands of years of cumulative knowledge of people who have lived on this earth. And you would think that with all this knowledge, we would have a little more to go on as far as how we should spend our time. A little more than, hey, remember to brush your teeth three times a day. Remember to eat three times a day. And by the way, at the age of five, you should go to a building, sit in a chair for six hours, and hear from people to tell you about history and geography, and that's school. And then after 13 years doing that, you go to work until you die. <laughs> Did I miss anything? I've been, I've been talking to people in church setting all my life. And many of the conversations involve how people have spent their time. Because people look back, and, and i got to tell you, I've, I've never met anyone in all of my conversations who has been 100% satisfied on how they've spent their time. No matter the age, no matter what season of life they are, there's always a point in the conversation when someone says, man, I should, I should have been... More, I should have been more aware of my time and, and I should have spent more time studying or I should have exercised more or I should have traveled more or I should have um, spent more time with my kids. We have a contending relationship with time because we suspect, we don't actually know, but we suspect that time will go on forever. We never actually run out of time, Right? And there's nothing indicating to us that time will cease. Yet, 
Our existence is timed. And there's nothing we can change about time except how we spend it, what we do with the time we have. And Solomon, Solomon has made some observations regarding time that's worth pausing, observing, learning, gleaning from. And so we pick up on the scriptures in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 1 and the beginning of verse 2. It says, For everything there is a season and a time for every matter under heaven. And then he begins to list. He says, hey, there's a time to die, a time to be born, and a time to die. And I'm going to pause right here because I want you to notice this. He's saying, hey, pay attention. Life is not a, time is not a prison. Time is not a tyrant. Time is not your enemy. Time is like a song. Time has a rhythm. Time flows. Time has a beat. And time will serve you best if you learn its rhythms. If you learn to interact with it. If you learn to flow with it. If you learn to grow with it. That's why I asked you in the beginning about your relationship with time. Because... As he said, there's a time for every matter under heaven. A time to be born and a time to die. And then he's, because he starts with the bookends, right? A time to be born and a time to die. Time didn't stop when you arrived in this earth. You arrive as time was going and time won't, won't end after you leave. But at some point, in the course of time, you came to be. And within the time frame that you will be alive, within your birth, between your birth and your death, there are some things that would be good for you to learn. It would be good for you to learn that for everything, there's a season. That for everything, there's a rhythm. And there's a way for you to move within the time that has been allotted to you. So why are you living? He continues. Verse 2 of Ecclesiastes. He says, why are you living? There's a time to plant. There's a time to pluck up what is planted. A time to kill and a time to heal. There's a time to break down and a time to build up. A time to weep and a time to laugh. A time to mourn and a time to dance. A time to cast away stones and a time to gather stones together. There's a time to embrace and a time to refrain from embracing. A time to seek and a time to lose. A time to keep and a time to cast away. A time to tear and a time to sow. A time to keep silence. A time to speak up. A time to love and a time to hate. There's a time for war. There's a time for peace. See, I've had seasons in my life when I've, I haven't been able to quite read the times and, and the flow with the times. I remember when we first started serving at our church in Texas. At first, uh, we did whatever was available. I started with the choir. And then, uh, and then Alini and I joined the youth group uh, as 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 volunteers, and I remember the first night we were there, 
As soon as the event ended, we started picking up trash, organizing chairs. And we were so happy. We hadn't volunteered in a church for over a year. And I remember vividly the the feeling of gratitude. Wow, we get to do this. We get to serve God's house. We get to make sure this place is clean and this place is organized. It was a big church. So they told us, hey, guys, we have people for that. You don't have to actually do that. You know, we have a cleaning crew that comes in and organizes everything after the service. We didn't care. We still did it when they weren't looking. We're like, you can't tell me I won't pick up trash. We were the clandestine cleaners. <laughs> Fighting the devil with the sweeper. <laughs> but I remember soon after that, you know, I started serving with the worship team. I started playing keys and, and then I started singing. And I thought with all my heart that music was going to be my route. Because some of you know my story. Alini and I, when we got married, we... We were youth pastors. We became youth pastors at my dad's church, and we, we did that for a little bit. And then God called us to Houston, and, and I thought the possibility of pastoring in Houston, Texas was out the window. So music was clearly the route that, that God had opened up. So I thought this is where, this is where God uh, wants me in. And so I started serving with the best of my ability. I gave my best, man. I I showed up ready. I showed up ready every time. I knew my parts. I knew the music. Then they started having me sing. But then soon I hit a ceiling. And things just weren't flowing anymore. And I got frustrated. I didn't get it. I didn't understand why things weren't flowing. I was doing my best. I wasn't the best, but I wasn't the worst. And everyone around me was kind, and I had the relationship with the people, but there was no invitation. There was no grace to grow. I remember thinking and praying, God, I've been, I've been leading worship for about 10 years now. And I know music, and I have the relationships. And like I said, I'm not the greatest here, but I'm not the most talented, but I'm not the least. I have some talent, and I have potential. And why, why does it seem like nobody can see have you ever been there when it's almost like there's, there's almost like God himself blinded the people? And I, I, it's almost as though they didn't see. But then there was a call that came to me to get a job in the church, an actual full-time job in the events department. Now, if you don't know how a large church works, the events department runs all the events in the building, in the church. And that job was dominated by food orders and table settings and and room management. And it was not on my radar at all. all. It was not what I was looking to do. I didn't even want that job, to be honest. It was weird. And it required me to take a $10,000 pay cut. And yeah, exactly. (laughs) He dropped whatever he was holding. What? What? Ten thousand. I didn't have. We didn't have that room in our budget. To it was going to be a big sacrifice. But this is what I had to understand. This is what God quickened me to understand. That it wasn't a season for reaping. It wasn't a season of harvest. I was in my twenties, and God was like, "Hey, listen. This is a season for planting. This is a, this is a season for sowing. This is a, this is a season for learning." And so I invested. I took the job. I invested my time there. And then one year later, there was a shift in the ministry. And there was a restructure of the entire staff in the youth and young adults department. And we were invited to come in, Alini and I both, 
join that department. And I transferred into a pastoral type role, which was surprising, uh, in the discipleship of small groups. And we were developing curriculum for connect groups. And we were, you know, leadership development, lead, uh, helping develop a leadership in the young adults department. And, and later, I was in charge of this Sunday school class for middle school students. And I want you to understand something with this story. You know, that sometimes God has you in a place you didn't expect to be because he's taking you somewhere you can't see. It is unexpected. You don't know why you're there. But that's because he's taking you somewhere you can't see. Scripture says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, what, and no human mind has conceived the things that God has prepared for those who love him. So unexpected promises require unexpected seasons. And if you are in an unexpected season now that has a big question mark in your life, you don't know why you're there, know that sometimes God has you in a place you didn't expect to be because He's taking you somewhere that you can't see. And if God wants to do in your life something that's out of the ordinary, then it's going to take some out of the ordinary seasons. Now, are you, are you willing to read the seasons? Are you willing to get with the rhythm and learn the rhythms of time? Now, you got to pay attention to what God did in my, in my life. Now that I'm in my 40s and I can look back and reflect. <sighs> okay. Uh, <laughs> you got to realize, like, I was a youth pastor. I worked in IT. I was an IT consultant for a little bit. I served as a worship leader. My experience in the IT consultancy got me the job opportunity in the events department. In the largest church congregation in America, our department managed 800 events a month. Yeah, can you imagine a church running 800 events a month? That was just a random August for us. In that department, I learned so much about how to run a building. How to manage expectations, how to create great events, how to help ministries collaborate. Not only that, I built relationships with people at the very top of the ministry and at the very bottom because our department touched every single department. And then when I transferred to the other department, I got to lead teams, develop service flows, recruit volunteers, run small groups, develop leaders, invest in, in working with some amazing people. You know, and some of those amazing people are here today. Andrew McGinnis was my dear friend and, 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 and his wife, Hannah, Hannah Renee. She's here today. And I'm going to take an opportunity to brag on them for a little bit. Because Andrew is now a very successful businessman in St. Louis, Missouri. But when I met him, he was just a college-age kid with braces Hoping, hoping, hoping for a girlfriend. <laughs> Pleading with the Lord. He was in my connect group. We met for coffee all the time. We talked about life, the scriptures, talked about church drama, politics, you name it. We talked about everything. Andrew became a connect group leader himself later, you know, and a team leader. And he, he invested and poured into the People, other people as well, and his professional career kept climbing, and God kept giving, me opportun giving him opportunities. And 
And he remained faithful to the Lord. And then after several failed attempts at a proper mate, <laughs> after several failed terrible attempts, after many, I don't know if you got this, after many shameful, horrible attempts, I'm kidding, I'm exaggerating, at finding a, girl, a, a girlfriend, going from lame date to lame date, God, from his infinite wisdom, opened the windows of heaven, and he poured out infinite mercy and wisdom and gave Andrew an unexpected undeserving grace of meeting Hannah. <laughs> yes. I knew Hannah. I knew her, Hannah and her brothers. She has two awesome brothers. Since 2006, we knew her when we, when we started serving in the student ministry. She was a student in, the, in our youth ministry. And God brought them together in his divine wisdom for the great mercy of God over Andrew and to test Hannah's patience. I'm kidding. They're awesome. They're great people. They gave us, Alini and I, the honor, honor of performing their wedding. I got to fly down to Houston, what, some seven years ago? Going on eight in September. I got to marry them, and I was so nervous because it meant so much to me, and, and it was a really special day for me. It was my day, really. <laughs> <laughs> No, it was a beautiful ceremony. It was a great wedding. And uh, today, Hannah is an outstanding pastor and minister in St. Louis, Missouri. She's amazing. She's a great preacher. And uh, you probably would rather be listening from her today. But, you know, they came on a vacation trip. And next time, Hannah, you got to bring a word. They serve God together. They're winning in life's challenges now, this is why I'm sharing this, their story with you, obviously because I want to honor them, but because 10 years ago when God called us to move to Connecticut to plant a church, I realized two things. You know, the first thing I realized is that the entire decade in our 20s was a decade of sowing. It's the time that God had in our lives to sow, to plant, to invest, to learn, to grow. And it was a preparing season. Because when I put it all together, all the individual parts I shared with God did with me, there's some more things that God did with Alini. And when we put all of our two parts together, we can see how God was giving us exposure to so many areas to really build us up so that we could build something amazing here in Stanford together with you. And so that God could establish something new here in Stanford. And the second thing I realized is that the thing that stays with you through all the seasons is the good relationships you build. The good people that you meet and that you hold close. And the greatest sacrifice we had to make when we left Texas was to leave friends like Andrew and Hannah. But, but I, we knew that God was taking us to a new season. And I got to tell you, friends, you know, you're not always going to build. You're not always going to love. You're not always going to reap. You're not always going to embrace. You're not always going to walk in silence and in peace. There are going to be some seasons where you're going to have to tear down. There's going to be some seasons where you're going to have to hate evil. 
and stay in opposition to evil. There's going to be some seasons where you cannot, you will not be able to embrace the circumstances, but you're going to have to stay apart from those circumstances. There's going to be some seasons when you're going to have to speak up, to stand up. There are seasons to learn, and there are seasons to unlearn. There are seasons to grow, to expand, and there are seasons to hold on and to allow what you have received to take root. Now imagine if I had been so set in my ways in my 20s that I didn't accept anything but music. Imagine if I were so blinded to what God was doing and that I didn't understand that I had to move with the times and move with the rhythm of time that the season was bringing and that I just wanted music. I would have missed so much. I would have been fighting against the seasons that God was leading us through. And we would have never gotten here today. Listen to the wisdom from Ecclesiastes. Beginning of verse 11, he says, He, God, has made everything beautiful in its time. Everything beautiful in its time. Friends, life is beautiful and hard and joyous and sad. And sometimes there's pain and sometimes there's tremendous pleasure. Sometimes we feel strong. Sometimes we get weak. And I wonder how many of our headaches and how many of our regrets are connected to poor timing. How many of the things that we look back and we think, man, I shouldn't have gone through that pain, are connected to poor timing. Ask yourself this question, is the right thing at the wrong time right? Is it ever right for a four-year-old to drive a car on the freeway? Is it ever right for a child to be exposed to the intimate parts of a married couple's adult life? See, when my 11-month-old son crawls around the house making funny noises and funny sounds and giggling and showing his teeth, you know what I do? I find it so beautiful. I pick up my phone and I record it for the 30th time. And I send that two-minute recording of my life, of, of a hymn to my wife. Look at how beautiful. Now, if by any chance, my amazing wife, who, by the way, has a great taste in men. <laughs> right? Laughter. I get laughter, honey. <laughs> if she happens to walk into our living room at a random day, only to find her husband, yours truly, crawling on the floor, making funny faces, giggling, and going like, oh, da, da, da. Oh, da, 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 da. That's what my son does. She would call an ambulance. She would say, you know what? He's having a stroke. What in the heavens are you doing? Not beautiful. A, a 30 plus man in his 3010s crawling around the floor making Google Gaga noises is not beautiful. 
It's beautiful when a baby does it because it's the proper time. It's the proper time. Some of you, you're trying to make the right thing happen at the wrong time. And because it's not working, it's become so ugly that you're starting to think that what God has placed in your heart is no longer beautiful. You're beginning to doubt whether the vision that he has placed in your heart could ever be beautiful. Whether the dream he has sowed in your heart could ever be beautiful. Because you are tempting and forcing at the wrong time. You're not flowing. And so the dream, the relationship, the marriage, whatever it is, it's bringing you doubt. Got to tell you, friends, time, time is everything. Even the right thing at the wrong time can become tainted. And my challenge to you today is to learn to tell the time. Just pause. Pause to discern. Pause to analyze. Pause to submit it to the Lord. And build a relationship with time that learns the rhythms, the timing, the flow of, of what God has ordained for your life. Because God has ordained some things for your life. And they have a relationship with time. So here's some questions that you can ask yourself for whatever season you're facing right now. First question is very simple. Have I prayed about this? Have I placed a circumstance before the Lord or am I just complaining and frustrated and trying to read some self-help things and listen to some podcasts? Have I gotten on my knees and presented it to God? Have I released it? To God, where am I holding on so tight that is driving up my anxiety and my stress? Here's a very important question Is there pride in my heart? Am I trying to present an image to those around me? Is there pride in my heart? And this is a question that only you can ask yourself. Anybody that comes to you and says, Hey, I think there's pride in your heart, you're not gonna receive that well. So you gotta, you got to ask yourself, is there pride in my heart? And ask it before the Lord. Another question, am I open to the unexpected? Because this season might be unexpected in your life. And is, is, it, is, it that you, is it that you are surprised at how unexpected it is? Is God calling me to something? Or am I running away from something? Would this strengthen my godly relationships? Would this increase my potential? Friends, life is long. Sometimes it seems short, but life is long. And it's not too late for you to get it right. I don't, it doesn't matter what season of life you're in. It is not too late for you to get it right. If you have missed the mark in the past, maybe you are even missing it right now and you're feeling that there's a disconnection. Let me in, encourage you to allow the Holy Spirit to guide you, to allow the Holy Spirit to lead you and to ask God to help you read the seasons and to help you and get with the rhythms of what He's doing in your life, to, for you to be sensitive to His voice. And when you do, you will have a peace in your heart that will surpass all your understanding you'll be able to release the anxiety the fear the, the, the all the worry that that is weighing you down you're going to be able to release your regrets and you'll be able to release it to the one 
who rules the universe, the one who loves you. And here's the attitude that you will gain, that you'll be able to have. What, what, what Solomon wrote in Ecclesiastes chapter, chapter 3, verse 12, let's go to it. It's, he said, I perceive that there's nothing better for them, meaning you and I, than to be joyful and to do good as long as they live, and that everyone should eat and drink and take pleasure in all his toil, because this is the gift of God to man. I believe that no matter what, the best way to live is to live joyful, looking forward to each day and living to do good, like the scripture says. And I believe that God has called you to take pleasure on the assignment that he has for your life. Did you know that you have an assignment? Did you know that God has an assignment in your life? That he has called you for something specific? I believe that he has not only given you an assignment, that he has called you for a mighty purpose. And as you, as you open your heart, you may not see the full picture yet, but in his timing, it all is all going to come together. And I believe that if you do that, you too will learn that everything is beautiful in its time. That the time, time is everything. Do you receive it this morning? Thank you for listening today. If you have a prayer request, a question about faith, or would like to find out more information, visit us at connectcommunity.org. Don't forget to subscribe and share. See you next time.